0: Oh, man. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? Yeah? What's the best thing you ate? Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard a guy, and he said on a podcast I was listening to, he said, I went to Thanksgiving, and they didn't even have turkey. They didn't even offer it. And then he went on a diatribe about how that's not American, and they didn't have Thanksgiving, and you shouldn't go. And I'm like, well, but we had ham. I didn't eat any turkey, but the ham was so good. Although prime rib, I was talking to... Dale, and he said, You all had prime ribs. So that sounded pretty good, too. You know, you got little liturgies that go on. Uh, there, there, there's rhythms that, that go on. And our rhythm used to be um, when our children were little, we'd come up here and play tag football on the field. We'd eat lunch. We'd come back and play basketball. And people would come up the stairs. And I mean, it was just fun. And the kids were little. And, the, and, and now it's older, right? So we we go to church, and worship. Uh, put the turkeys on the smoker. Uh, my sister always comes a little late. She's always there at one minute to two before we eat. My brother always comes way early, and it's kind of awkward. We're like, yeah, we're not even dressed yet, but it's great that you're here. And and then uh, we eat, and then my sister-in-law, my mom, and my sister clean clean up, and that's cool, right? <laughs> Works for me. Uh, and then the the we, we do dessert later, maybe like five, and everyone does their thing. Pies were okay this year, not great, but that's okay. Um, and, then, um, and then the kids go out now. They're all of age. They went out to do karaoke. And it's just a whole different thing. But there's kind of the ebb and flow, the liturgy of how things, how things work. And one of the things we're really mindful of in our Thanksgiving is yakking and talking with one another. Uh, making sure that uh, Uncle Tim and Uncle Andy and Aunt Joy and Aunt Barb and all of those that were mixing with the younger kids and sharing a little bit of hey this is how it was when and because I went back to school in the Midwest I've got really good knowledge of Grandma and Grandpa Schreiber, my maternal grandparents and uh, I, I spent Thanksgivings with with them for about eight years and I get to tell stories about Grandma's dressing and, and all of that stuff, right? Because telling and sharing the stories of our families with our children is kind of part of what it means to help identify them and, and help them understand who they are and and where they came from. In our two scripture readings today, first from Deuteronomy chapter six, and I'm going to do a little Hebrew for you and include you in that Hebrew. So don't don't get lost here. Don't fall asleep yet. But uh, I'm going to do that. Uh, but But these scriptures are about how we share what's in our soul and who we are with those around us. The first one is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, probably the most memorized scripture uh, ever in the history of the Bible because it spans different different traditions. This is Deuteronomy 6, 1 through uh, 12. And if you could put it on the back screen, that would be really helpful for me. But I'm going to start reading. Here we go. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Who brought you out of egypt out of that land of slavery and uh, the word of the lord jesus words from matthew chapter 6 this is the second week on this one if you're keeping track and i had to laugh because someone called me from the music office and they said hey you made a mistake i'm like no i didn't and they go yeah it's the same gospel reading for two weeks i go i don't care i said matthew chapter 6 uh we need that and i think going from thanksgiving into Christmas and into the beginning of a new year, I think Jesus' words about not being anxious are, are super good. Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Each day has enough trouble of its own. I like the old Revised Standard version of that. It's a little bit more poetic. That last verse, instead of saying each day has enough trouble of its own, it says, sufficient unto the day is the trouble thereof. I love that. I've got that marked out in my Bible and written in a little purple pen that says, sufficient unto the day is the trouble thereof. There's three things that I'd like to pull out of that Deuteronomy text for you this morning. And the first is is very clear that the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. The second piece is about the verbs. Do the verbs. We do the verbs in our relationships. doesn't matter how big or small your family is, do the verbs. And the third piece is always remember the pathway back to where you came from. Now, I promised you Hebrew, and I wanted to do it today. I want to make sure you got a little Hebrew here. Hebrew's read from left to, from this side to this side. So you can start over here, and, and, and I'm sorry, this slide's not perfect. I, eh, it's just not perfect. Um, so, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So with that, read that with me, please. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, one Lord, right? In Hebrew, it sounds a little bit like this, and the, the uh, transliterations are there underneath. Shema, ho Israel, Adonai, Elohenu Adonai, Echad. There's that, now you with me? Echad. I can't do that. Ben Shapiro can do that, not me. Every Jewish child learned this. It's called the great Shema because of that first word on the far right, Shema ho Israel, Adonai Elohenu Adonai Echad. And if you were to say that, if you were to go to Jerusalem and look at a child and say, can you share with me the great Shema, they would crank that out like our kids crank out John 3.16. The lo hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Aha. It's interesting. Because Moses is speaking to people who came out of Egypt, and there were gods for everything. You had gods for fertility, gods for crops, gods for sun and moon, gods for health, gods for wealth, gods for this family, gods for that. You had gods for everything. So you had to make sure in that sort of religion that you had the right God. And and so as God brought his people out, he said, remember, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you don't got to go looking around and collecting little gods and little idols to put on your shelf. The Lord our God, the Lord is one one. He is the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the covenant, the God who says to his people, I will be for you, your God, and you will be for me, my people. It's the essence of that relationship with with God. And we live in kind of a time where uh, people worship created stuff more than the creator. Does that make sense? And we're going to get into that pretty heavy at Christmas here. You got to have this and you got to have that. You got to have this ebb and flow to your life and you don't do this, you don't do that. You don't eat here if you don't buy this. If you don't have that, if you don't. So what do I do? How does that work? Well, perhaps what the Lord is getting at to the people 3,500 years ago, he's speaking into our somewhat pagan culture today as well. He's saying, remember that there's only one God, the one God who loves you and cared for you. The God who is of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, one God. He is your God and you are his people. Now, what's beautiful about that is that when God came to Abraham in the Old Testament, he said, and I will make you a blessing to all nations. And Abraham knew what that meant. Abraham said, that's cool. And so Abraham and Abraham and Sarah were working to have a baby, and God said, I'm going to make you a great nation, and they had one baby, and that baby had two boys, and then Jacob went bonkers and had all sorts of sons and daughters, and it went from there. One God, one God who keeps His promise, and the great, 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 great grandson, you get the idea of Abraham was Jesus of Nazareth. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. God revealed himself to all humanity, to me and you, in the person of Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. That one God, Jesus, brings peace to you and me. One God who loves us, who cares for us, who walks with us, who says, let all the stuff from the past that holds you back, all that slave stuff, just let that go. I've got something bigger and grander for you in your life. Trust me, follow after me, walk with me, and I'll show you. There's beauty to that because there's comfort and consolation in that. We don't have to search and find and go under a rock and hope that somehow maybe we'll find God or maybe find the right God. Because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has shown himself to us in the person of Jesus, the Christ, who gave his life as a ransom for you and me on the cross. I love that. The Lord our God, the Lord is Ahad. The Lord is one. And then that marvelous piece, um, he, he says, bring it down to the next generation. He says, tell your kids, tell your family. Let this be what you talk about. Now, I don't know what you guys talked about on Thanksgiving, but I, I was doing service over in the sanctuary, and I checked my phone after the service, and I thought for sure the Packers were going to be losing by three scores. I thought well, it was going to be like 21 to 3. It's going to be 24 to 9. are just going to be getting killed. And I turn on my phone, and I'm like, ah! winning by two scores, and they won the game, so all we talked about, right, up until dinner, I was like, we talked about the football, and how they win, and now they're going to Super Bowl, the best team ever, and all that stuff, you know, two weeks, we're like, are going to fire the coach, this, like, oh, it's all great, it's so stupid, right, it's so stupid, what do you talk about with your family, I'm 59 years old, next year, I'll be 60, and I have this feeling in my soul to talk less about football, and stuff that's passing, And talk more about stuff that matters so i corner my nephews right so how's it going and and to dig into their lives and their hearts a little bit not with judgment but with encouragement and love i think young people get drained from the world and i feel a responsibility to pour into young people does that make sense and so this scripture is just beautiful He says, impress the law of God on your children and your children's children. And it doesn't matter if the kids are three or seven or 59, right? It's an opportunity to pass the law of God, the good law of God, down to the next generation. I had a professor in school 100 years ago, and he was from Australia, and he had this weird way, at, right? He sounded so smart because he was from Australia. I'm convinced of that. I'm like, well, that was pretty good. But one of the things he said in his kind of brogue was, gentlemen, you need to learn to do the verbs. We're like, what's he talking about? The verbs. You know, every third grader knows verbs are action words. What the professor did is he made us read the scripture through the verbs. And the verbs here in this piece are beautiful, impress, Don't punch, don't poke in the eye, don't pierce the heart, impress. I made some mistakes with my nephews and my own children, with my language especially, working hard in this back third of life to impress on them, to speak to them in kind tones, to impress on them. The love that I and my wife have for a family and to bring that down to the next generation. Impress that on the heart, not stamp it. Gently, kindly, pleasantly impress it. And then he says, talk, talk about it. Get beyond the Packers, get beyond the coach of the year, get beyond the Super Bowl, get beyond the little veneer of stupid stuff and get into the heart stuff. I always love to do that by asking a question. And one of those questions is, so how's it going for you? And sometimes you just see if you if you impress just a little, they're ready to speak a lot. And if you want to get something out, listen twice as much as you talk. And you'll find that sometimes those children and the children's children are willing to talk if they have the space. And so open-ended questions are beautiful in that. Help me understand how that works. How's work going for you? What are you concerned about? I love that, right? Impress and talk and tie. I love that. this. It says, tie them to your body. Tie the law of God to your body. The Jewish people and the Jewish faith took that very literally. Write it down. Sometimes a written little piece that you put on your refrigerator, put on your vanity, you put on your car, be careful with the car, but you know what I'm saying, right? You, 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 you put something that's a reminder of that covenant, that God loves you and you love God. You write it down, you remember it, and never, ever quit. It's the intent of those verbs that we keep on with that action, going and going and going and going Always reminding, always encouraging, always sharing, always loving. Impress, talk, tie, write, and never quit. As we bring the covenant and we remember that covenant, we bring that to the next generation by doing the verbs. Or as my good professor would say, we need to do the verbs, Mr. Klinkenberg. It's all in the verbs. You'll never read the Bible the same way again. And Then this piece from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of that land of slavery. Why do you think he put that last clause in there? It's interesting, isn't it? Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just say, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt? Why would he say out of that land of slavery? It's interesting to think about that, how quickly the the Israelites would have forgot now that they were back to being themselves, now that they're ready to go into the land, now that they'd had 40 years out in the desert. now that everything's kind of getting a little bit better. They got manna and quail, life's good. The the building projects in Egypt were unreal, right? The Hebrew slaves made the pyramids and the Sphinx and, and, and a whole civilization, 400 years, they were slaves. And you know what a slave doesn't get? Slave doesn't get a wage. A slave doesn't get a, a, a union to support them. A slave doesn't get to define their own schedule. Oh, I think I'll make bricks from 8 in the morning until 12, and then I'll go lay in the Egyptian sun and maybe go fish in the Nile. It wasn't like that. 400 years. Slaves to their work. And I think that when they were out of it, Moses kind of looked and said, ha, 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 ha. Human nature being what it is, they're going to forget. So he says, be careful not to forget. Be careful to remember that you are not slaves anymore. You are the children, the sons and daughters of God. So I love that third commandment, right? You've all chosen to follow the third commandment this morning. says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God so that we do not despise his word or the teaching of it, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn God's word, that God's word would be impressed on our hearts. We are not slaves. We are free. Sometimes I think we get that messed up. Got to work, 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 got to work. Oh, I've worked 35 days in a row. I've got to work, I've got to work, I've got to work, I've got to work. See, that's a slave mentality. God provided the Sabbath for his people to break that so that you and me would have a different orientation towards our work, towards our family, towards God than just work until you die like a slave. Be careful not to be slaves to the things of this world. Because you are sons and daughters of God. Impress that on your children and your children's children. Remember. I think we're the only thing that God made that is able to remember. (laughs) Everything else kind of gets beaten into submission, but not humans. Humans are able to remember. Part of why you're here this morning is to remember God to remember the community that you're a part of and that you came from. And part of living and remembering is telling the stories of faith and life. And I think there's great power in that. There's power for our own hearts to be reminded who we are and being able to tell the stories of God's faithfulness in our lives and homes impresses those who come behind us. Three simple pieces from a pretty powerful text. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, it's so good to be together today. We are brought into the story of your love again. We're brought into community. Father, the same God you were 3,500 years B.C. is the same God you are today, 2023 A.D., Thank you for the constancy of your love and your grace. Father, that law is is not uh, something you provide to beat us up. It's not a little string that, that you attach us to and then manipulate us. Rather, the law of God is, is good. Impress that on our hearts and lives. Let it be the way that we structure our lives and our families. And we're not perfect, and we know that. Uh, uh, acutely, Lord. We, so we commend to you those places where your law has been fractured in our lives, where we've sinned, you've said something we shouldn't have said, we didn't say something we should have said, we did something we shouldn't do, we didn't do something we should have done, all of those things. You are God and we are your people. You are a gracious Father. So those sins, Lord, we lay at the feet of Jesus today. You can have them because you can take them away. And with that, Lord, cover us over in your righteousness and your mercy. Lead us to paths where we find freedom and peace in you. Lead us in the way of your forgiveness and your grace. You are God and we are your people. People who are beloved of our Father in heaven through his Son. Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name we receive his forgiveness. It's in his name we pray.